Hey, hey, what is up, loyal and potentially new listeners to the Hostile Environment Podcast? It is your party host, Jay, here to entertain you for maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes, depending how long I go, but of, uh, you know, uh, explicit, unfiltered, unadulterated fun and excitement. This is episode number 28 of the podcast, and I did tell you guys I would give you guys any possible updates on our last conversation and the potential future of the podcast, but unfortunately, at this time, I have no updates to give. Well, I guess other than um, I'm rapidly approaching 200 followers on Twitter, which is kind of pathetic in the grand scheme of things when you compare it to like that douchebag Justin Bieber or that whore Kim Kardashian who have like 80 million followers, uh, you know, probably more actually, but you know, um, considering I only had, um, I want to say 70, uh, before March 1st when I launched, um, you know, I'm getting there, right? It's a start. So, um, yeah, uh, remember I told you guys, uh, that a potential, uh, podcast altering business deal fell through because the lady told me I wasn't active enough on social media. Remember that I said that last episode, well, I decided instead of just bitching to you guys about it. Uh, I, you know, pull up my big boy pants and, uh, I try to be more social media savvy or whatever you want to call it. So in the last four days, I think I've made at least three or four TikTok videos and somehow they've gotten over 200 views each. Again, somewhat pathetic. I understand, but you know, I'm still not getting any real major traffic. So, um, you know, um, I made a TikTok for the debut of the Noof episode where I put a picture of him in the, the Legion of Doom haircut that we gave him. And I don't know what I did and I don't know what hashtag I used, but uh, that video got over 700 views. I'm not sure what you know constitutes the term going viral, air quotes. Um, and I'm sure 700 views isn't it, but it's as close as I've come. So I will take it. I think of it as a win. So, um, you know, just let me have my moment, please, damn it. All right, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, what else, what else? How have you guys been? What's new? Um, I'm sure you have something to report, but uh, nobody seems to want to report it to me. How about the fact that uh, our overpaid, underperforming Toronto Maple Leafs got eliminated from the playoffs by the lowest, horrible, seeded team in the entire playoff bracket, not to mention our biggest Canadian rival, those French pole sanders, the Montreal Canadiens, I got to give them their credit. I, I'll be honest. They outworked us. They outplayed us. They outcoached us. And honestly, we deserve to lose. I, I, I hate to say it out loud, but it's true. But we were up three games to one. And we even had the luxury of bringing fans, not many, mind you, 550, but we had fans in, the, in attendance for game seven in our house. And we still lost. So I don't really want to talk about it anymore because and I'm incredibly embarrassed to be a part of Leafs Nation. And unfortunately, I have the Leafs logo tattooed on my arm, which should be covered up with you know, probably a giant dick or, you know, because because we suck dick. So that's probably what it should be. It should be a giant penis on my arm. But all right, let's, you know what, let's move on to let's go Blue Jays because at least they've won something in my goddamn lifetime. Um, so moving on to the first topic of the day. I feel my knee, uh, sorry, I feel the need to give my irrelevant opinion on what's going on in the sports world regarding 
the Paul brothers. I haven't touched on this before, but you know, you guys know who they are, I'm sure. Logan and Jake Paul, right? For anyone who doesn't know who they are, these are the two like YouTube sensations that made millions of dollars and then somehow, I don't know what happened, but they quickly disappeared because I guess their shtick was old and tired and I know uh, one brother made fun of an Asian dude that he found in a forest who'd hung himself or something. I don't really know much about what happened. And the other brother was just really less talented and thinks he's some sort of fucking gangbanging thug. So truthfully, I have no clue what these guys ever did to become millionaires. I do know the older one, Logan Paul, was my youngest daughter's first crush. We even had a Logan-themed uh, or Logan Paul-themed birthday party for her when she was 12. We had uh, t my buddy made T-shirts with the logo. Um, we had posters of him put up all through the house that my other buddy Jim made us. Um, you know, we even had a Logan Paul birthday cake. Funny story about the birthday cake. If you actually go into a bakery and tell them you want a cake made uh, with a picture of a celebrity on top of it, uh, they'll say no at first for copyright reasons. But if you go back to the exact same bakery the very next day with the same picture and talk to the same lady, but this time say you need a picture of a cake, or sorry, you need a, a cake with this picture done on top of it, and then say it's like your brother or your uncle or something like that, they will gladly do it for you with no questions asked. And that's exactly what happened. She said no to me one day and yes to me the next. Either way, I got the Logan Paul cake done for her. And, uh, you know, as usual, as, as everything with these celebrity people out there, um, there's another case of having money and, and means that you can, you know, get opportunities that don't that you don't deserve, basically, right? Because not only did he make a boatload of money from a horrible, very short music career, too, uh, Logan Paul, his music was just awful, but now they're somehow ingrated into the fight world. It started when Logan Paul, the oldest one, the most popular one from what I know, he fought another YouTube kid uh, in some sort of celebrity YouTube boxing match, and somehow it did decent numbers, maybe even good numbers, I don't know, um, as far as viewership, I mean, and uh, Logan Paul lost. So he lost, but now he's getting to fight Floyd Mayweather, a 100% real, legit fighter who was champion of the world, undefeated. He's never lost and never been even knocked down. But somehow this rich white kid is fighting him this Sunday on pay-per-view. Everything about this situation just screams fake to me. It really does. Literally everything. The goofy press conference they did was just so bad and so cheeseball. And then you had the one brother grabbing Floyd Mayweather's hat and uh, the fake brawl broke out and... Oh, it was just pathetic. And then they put out these training videos and just everything involved with this. It's just a fucking joke. And it makes anybody who believes, or sorry, I think, sorry, anybody who believes this isn't a work and, you know, anybody who's going to pay to watch this, it makes everybody look incredibly stupid. Because if you think this is real, you need to be hit over the goddamn head with a shovel and buried in the forest. And then there's the other brother who, like I said, thinks he's some sort of gang-banging G-unit thug. He's a real piece of shit. And, and this guy surrounds himself with thugs and gang-bangers, and he has all these guns at his house, and they're all driving Hummers, and they've all got this bling and all this shit. So he started out by fighting a basketball player who was like five foot six, 
Um, he'd never fought before in his life. He'd been training for like 10 or 11 months. He'd never been in a boxing match before. And uh, he wasn't even apparently trained how to how to defend himself. He thought he could go in there and just throw bombs and he'd knock a guy out. And, uh, you know, Jake Paul knocked him out in, I, I think, the second round or something. I actually watched the fight. Um, so I, I don't even know. And because he's got a bunch of money now, he's transitioned into fighting uh, a legit Olympian. Uh, that was the last fight, Ben Askren. Uh, this guy fought Ben Askren. He fought an MMA. He was a champion. Okay, he was a champion of MMA. He was an Olympics. He, I think he won in the Olympics. He won a medal for sure. I just don't know what, what color or whatever you will call it. Um, and he was also in the UFC. And that dude, Ben Askren, he was, uh, he, he was so out of shape. He was in retirement, coming off hip surgery, hadn't done cardio in forever, and before the fight was actually very vocal that he was only doing the fight for the money and didn't care about the outcome. And it showed because... Jake Paul knocked him out in under a minute because when the guy took off his shirt, he looked like a bag of milk. Like, it was pathetic. And then just yesterday being, what's today? Today's Thursday, so actually, I think it was Tuesday, um, it was announced that now Jake Paul is going to fight Tyrone Woodley, who was also a legit, badass, middleweight UFC champion. Um, he's obviously no longer in martial arts. He's also kind of retired. Uh, but now he's trying to be a rapper. So how does this shit keep happening? Are these two assholes tough? Probably, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit. As much as I dislike them, I think both brothers are probably pretty tough. Could they knock me out? Most likely, yeah. In fact, I'll probably even say yes. Maybe not 15 years ago when I was in my heyday, but more than likely now, it would be probably pretty quick and pretty painful. But one of my real questions about this whole situation is, who wants to watch these guys fight? 15-year-old girls... Who, who made these guys the superstars they are, are not shelling out $70 to watch these guys fight on pay-per-view. So who is? What adult man, you know, a grown-up who works hard for his paycheck, says to himself, you know what? I'm going to have a few beers tonight. I'm going to watch these two rich, entitled white boys, uh, you know, box and fill in the blanks. But I'm going to give them my money that I work hard for. Am I the only one who realizes that not only is all of this a work, but these two brothers are, and now everybody they're involved with, actually, they all see us as incredibly huge marks, and they're playing us. And anyone who pays for these things is getting worked. This isn't real. They're not mad at each other. Um, you know, this isn't a legitimate boxing match between athletes in the same weight class fighting for a belt or, or the right to be called the best fighter in the world. This is a spoiled white kid who's putting up millions of dollars, mind you, of his own money, I get it, in order to double his millions of dollars and make more millions of dollars. And at the same time, give another massive payday to a retired boxer who fought Conor McGregor and made $100 million for that fight, which was a joke. And I also paid for actually on pay-per-view for, I think it was 90 bucks. Or in the other brother's case, um, you know, He's doubling his money, and he's dragging a retired UFC fighter with him so he can make enough money to try and get his rap career off the ground. Who's paying to watch Disney YouTube guys fight? I, I don't understand where the market's coming from. And again, to be completely transparent, because that's what I give you guys, have I watched uh, you know the fights that these two fuckface brothers have been involved in? Yes, I have. To be completely honest, I have watched all their fights. But I would never... And Jay means ever 
pay one red cent out of my pocket towards, uh, you know, anything that goes along with this. These, you know, just, it's pathetic. I'm sorry. It's a joke. Uh, uh, I, I know I, I sound like a, I, I sound crusty. Maybe it's just me and I'm becoming a crusty old bastard, but I really fail to understand what sane person would pay $70 to watch this trash. The last fight I watched, which was, I want to say four months ago against that, that Olympian, Ben Askren, um, the pay-per-view that I, that, that they put out was a joke. They literally had a slap fight, which is, you know, it's kind of funny if you watch it on the internet, but you, to say that you're paying to watch it is pathetic. They had like seven concerts. Uh, Snoop Dogg was so high he could barely stand up. And Oscar De La Hoya, another former Olympian boxer who's fell on hard times because of cocaine, um, was so fucked up on booze and coke that he was just spitting a random sentences out of his mouth that made no sense because he was literally such a mess that he couldn't even like form a, a coherent sentence. Uh, so yeah, the fight is this Sunday against Floyd Mayweather. Will I watch... Uh, you know, yeah, I'm streaming it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to stream the shit out of it because I'll tell you what, like if I had legitimate cable bill come in and it showed up a month later and it was 70 or $80 higher than it already is. Um, and I had to open it up and see the, the words Logan Paul versus whoever. And I paid for it. I'd be so ashamed. I drive in a fucking Lake Ontario. And I end it all. So, let's get out of that. Let's move on. Um, I'll probably have more to report on that on Monday's episode and tell you guys how it went. We, depending if you watch it or not, you know, we'll see. So, let's move on to, uh, let me see. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Let's get a quick F-bomb count from the last episode. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, after editing and counting how many times I uh, dropped the F-word on the last podcast, episode number 27, I have to be honest that I stopped counting after 16. Uh, there's way more than that. Uh, yes, last episode was a crazy, massive fail for your boy. I definitely relapsed, and I'm pretty sure I've dropped at least three or four in this episode. So uh, things are not looking good to keep that number any lower than 16 at this point moving forward for the rest of this podcast. So uh, yeah, not looking good. Uh, so I guess at this point is probably the time of the day or time of the podcast, whatever you want to call it, um, that I should provide you guys with some sort of content, right? I mean, that's why you're here and that's why you keep coming back for more to the hostile podcast. Am I right? So today, um, I thought I'd throw some jail stories at you. Um, you know, I've had random requests for them. I've had quite a few. Um, and so I figured I'd get a couple events that happened throughout my 12 year career as a correctional officer. Um, but a lot of these stories aren't long enough to get a big chunk of an episode. So I figured I'd put two together and that would be the way to go. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's get the first one under our belts, shall we? So here we go. Um, this story took place in the first, like three years of my career when I worked at the medium security facility called Mimico Correctional Center. Um, so yeah, when inmates are incarcerated, you know, sometimes shit happens and they have to be taken out to the outside hospital um, because usually there's no doctors at the jail. Um, they come in uh, once a week or sorry, once a day or once every other day and they would come in and they have a doctor's list and they'd see the inmates. But after they were done seeing the inmates that were on the list, they'd go back to their practice or back to the hospital. So we never had doctors on staff. We only had nurses on site. Um, but guys had to go out for like MRIs and x-rays and in the case of this story it was a psych evaluation 
So myself and my partner, Roman, who I miss very much, by the way, and has a sweet pad that I'm fishing for an invite to, hint, hint, Roman, anyways, uh, we were working overnight together, and we got sent uh, out to the outside hospital with this inmate to uh, St. Joe's in Toronto. Uh, it just happened to be a 6 a.m. psych evaluation because we were doing overnights. Uh, so keep in mind that our shift was, you know, till 7 in the morning. Um, so we we're going to get overtime out of this. But the problem with overtime like that is when the sun comes up and you've been up all night, it is by far the worst and hardest overtime to do. You start to sweat and you get uncomfortable and it's just awful. Anyways, uh, we suit up, um, and by suit up I mean uh, we get our, our gear on, which is a vest and all that stuff. Uh, a common misconception is that when we are working inside the jail on a regular day, that we had like nightsticks or tasers or guns. Well, newsflash, people out there who don't know, we had nothing. We have no way to defend ourselves of any kind except your own intelligence and the person you're working with and a big blue button on the wall uh, that you can hit if you need to call for help in like an emergency situation. So uh, anyways, within the last five years actually, um, uh, officers were given a mini bottle of pepper foam and a pair of handcuffs um, to wear inside the prison. You're not allowed to wear a bulletproof vest, or sorry, a stab proof vest either because that somehow uh, makes the inmates feel uncomfortable. So, yeah, the, another reason that I'm glad I'm not in corrections is making the inmates feel uncomfortable. That's actually a, a phrase, by the way. Um, so, anyway, so um, myself and Roman, we head to the hospital with this inmate around 5 a.m. for the 6 a.m. appointment. We get admitted, and we head up to the psych ward uh, floor, and, uh, you know, the door's open, and it was like, unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was crazy. It was very clean. Uh, it had, like, a fake wood paneling on the walls and all over the floor, and uh, the whole um, the whole floor was actually one giant circle that was like an open concept. So most of the nutbags that were there, all they would do was walk around in circles for like two, three hundred times a day or whatever. Uh, so most of the inmates that we saw that we were there for like two hours, you know, we probably saw the same guys do like fifty-five circles. So we're sitting there with the inmate. The doctor comes over. Um, he picks up the inmate and he takes him into an office uh, to talk to him. You know, it's private. Um, they have their own security. We're not allowed to go in there due to privacy issues. So Roman and I are sitting there, and as we're sitting there, a, uh, a female patient walks over to us and points at me and says, "Like, oh, you're cute." I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, it's always nice to get a compliment, but." Uh, not so much from a crazy chick in a bathrobe at an insane asylum, but okay, I'll take it. Um, and then she like disappeared. And I look over at Roman and he just starts giggling. And I remember him saying something, or I, I said something like, um, yeah, you're just jealous or whatever, right? Um, a few minutes go by and, um, you know, she's done her whole circle and now she's in front of us again. And she's smiling and she's like, playing shy or coy or whatever you want to say and um she inches a little bit closer this time and she asks my name which uh you know i was like okay well it's not that big a deal right so uh i told her you know my name is jay and she's like oh jay right and uh i was like yeah oh jay so um uh so this little game went on uh for you know quite some time right and um, let me just say this one part right here, that um, uh, with the help of a professional Hollywood makeup artist, 
This chick was maybe a 4 out of 10 at best. She was absolutely hideous. So, uh, yeah. So it's not like I'm bragging or anything like that, right? So um, she does another lap and takes her about 10 minutes or whatever. And, um, you know, then now she's in front of us again. And now she's got a little bit of courage. So she comes a little closer. And now she comes closer and closer closer. And now she's sitting on the chair beside me. At this point, like, zero physical contact had been made. It was literally just her sitting beside me, right? And um, as, as she sits down, I get this waft of, of odor. And holy fuck, she smelled like an Asian fish market. Just, like, overpoweringly gross and disgusting. Like, you would think that, like, she had legitimate salmon stuffed in under her armpits. It was fucking disgusting. And uh, as she's sitting there, she's still saying... J, 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 and then she says, my name is, and I don't remember what the hell her name was, and then she sticks her hand out to shake my hand, and okay, I'm not trying to be rude, I know she smells like, you know, like a thousand dead fish stuffed into the trunk of a car, but I'm not trying to be rude, and, and it seemed harmless enough, so I go to stick my hand out, and to shake it back, and then, like, literally, just before I make contact with her hand, I hear this female nurse yell, No! Do not touch her hands! And I look over and she's running towards me. So it's kind of like a matrix situation where I was looking at my hand and I was trying to bend my hand back like Neo from the Matrix. And then when she gets close, you know, she shoes the woman away and says, You know the rules! You know better! And the woman runs away and she's like, hissing like a vampire, and, you know, she's trying to avoid the sunlight, and I, I apologized to the nurse, and I was like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm really sorry, and she goes, no, 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 you don't understand, it's fine, if you're, if you're friendly with the patients, I was trying to save you, because she's a chronic masturbator who hasn't showered in weeks, so I really didn't want her touching your hands, and I was like, oh, oh, absolutely, so, you know, you know, Obviously, and then Roman, of course, Roman just absolutely loses it. And I said, well, you know, that explains the, the salmon fish market smell, I suppose. And, you know, and the nurse, you know, goes away. So while we were there for the rest of our time, um, this lunatic salmon woman started, you know, she continued to circle us and say my name. But thankfully, that's as far as it went. And I owe that nurse a giant thank you for saving me from that dude, from that uh, dude, yeah, from that chick. Uh, and that's the end of my first story, which is, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I thought you guys would get a smile out of that because I came very close to doing something very disgusting. And um, another thing before I tell my second one um, is I've told you guys I'm going to tell jail stories if I can. The problem I actually, and I mentioned this before, is a lot of these stories aren't funny. I mean, there are some funny shit that I've seen. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of them are like, you know, this is supposed to be a comedy podcast. I'm supposed to be keeping it light. I don't know if you guys really want to hear about hangings and, and guys' skulls getting crushed and, and stabbings and gang fights. And I mean, if you do, I, hey, I'll tell the stories, right? So that's your opportunity to write in and say, yes, we do want to hear about some of the violent stuff or not. Say, no, I, I don't want to hear about the violent stuff. And I will, whatever comments I get, I will say on the podcast. To, of course, keep you guys incorporated, and we'll go from there. So the ball's in your court now, guys. If you guys want to hear about violence, I got lots of that. So, um, other than that, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep trying to find funny stories. Uh, but as I said, to do that, you have to write to me. And to do that, 
you have to hear the social media plugs. So here we go. Twitter, 200 followers. I'm almost there. Look at me. Uh, at podcast underscore hostile. Uh, IG, at host.enviro.pod. Facebook, Jay Cowell. This is a business account only. Keep in mind, I keep getting people trying to add me as friends and stuff like that. It's fine, but I'm not going to like your posts and I'm not going to, I don't give a shit about what you're doing for the day and where you're going and I, I don't care. So this is a business account only. So um, that's it. I'm going to tell you guys that. Uh, TikTok is at the hostile environment pod. Email, this is where you guys can say, yes, I want to hear jail stories that include violence. No, the world's already fucked up enough. I don't want to hear about more violence. Or Jay, here's the dick pic you asked for. And that is j.hostile.environment at gmail.com. So here we go with the second and final jail story. Um, This second story happened when I worked at the worst jail in Toronto, uh, at the infamous Don Jail. um, And it involves another person chanting my name. And that's how I came up with the story is I, you know, I'm trying to segue, right? So there you go. Two stories about Chan and Jay's name. Lots of women have done it. Hey, oh. Anyways, uh, I worked at the Don Jail for like uh, between five and six years before it shut its doors for the final time and was made into an office building for hospital clerical staff. Go figure. I mean, I can't even imagine as you're sharpening your pencil thinking that, um, oh, well, uh, at least, uh, you know, 400 people have died here or whatever you want. Because I, when I was only there for five years and I saw almost 10 people die. I think I stopped counting at nine. I think I got to nine. I saw them actually die. So um, there was a lot more, you know, over the time, not to mention the bodies they found buried in the parking lot, but that's on a documentary that uh, if you ever want to find it, I'm sure you can dig that up. Um, So, you know, anyways, a little known fact about me is I'm not exactly, how do you want to say, normal or even remotely playing with a full deck of cards if you want to go to that extent. So when I got to the Don Jail and I worked on uh, what we called the 4A North Unit, um, which was for the inmates who were, uh, let's say, either disturbed or, or mentally unfit or unstable, you know, the, the, the inmates who couldn't, uh, couldn't cope with regular inmates, right? Uh, so that's where I was. Um, I was in heaven immediately from the first day I knew I was, that's where I wanted to work, on that unit. For some reason, I was just drawn to this unit and um, these inmates in particular. So I, I can't explain why that was. I just had a very good relationship with the inmates who were, for lack of a better word, insane. Let's just go with insane. So when I used to go, here's the thing, um, a sidebar. Um, when I used to go to like Christmas parties or social events or, you know, you know, you, you go with your wife and you don't know people and there's that moment when everyone's standing around the punch bowl or, or the snack table or whatever. And then the conversation with all the husbands usually starts, you know, like, so, you know, what do you do for a living? And what do you do there? Uh, you know, how do you get by? Um, my answer always when I was there would always get the party conversation going because, you know, of the things I've seen and the stories I have and people would be just amazed because, you know, if you, if you work in an office and I work in a prison, who's you, who do you want to hear more about? Right? So I would always tell people the same quote because I got used to this. So I would always say the same thing. And it was a thousand percent how I felt every day working in a prison. 
Um, and that is, you never get used to being at work and reading a newspaper article about a person who was accused of an awful crime and then looking up and that person is literally 10 feet in front of you. So the reason that that's relevant to the story, and the reason I'm telling you is because the day that I saw the cover of the Toronto Sun and it had a picture of a guy with the headline that was, and I'm, you know, I, I'm making this, you know, I'm, just, I'm what do you call it? Uh, I don't know the exact uh, quote, obviously, but it was something to the effect of man kills entire family arrested in house watching TV. And, uh, you know, I look up and that guy's sitting at the bars trying to ask me a question. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm like literally reading about this guy right now. And then something triggered in me. I don't know what it was. It just, it, it is what it is. So after I answered whatever question he asked me, um, I just asked him, I just asked him point blank. I was like, hey, were you, were you really watching TV when you're arrested in your house with, you know, like all of your dead family in it? And he looked at me with this just dead stare and he goes, yeah. Okay. And then he walked away. So I sat down in my chair with the partner I was working with and we just both started to giggle and like laugh. And I was like, that is fucking crazy shit. And you know, my partner, so we're going back and forth and my partner was like, now here's the question. I wonder what he was watching. And I said, I got to ask him. I got to know We're we're gone this far. There's no going back. And my partner was like, man, there's no way you're going to ask. And I said, absolutely, I will. And let's up the stakes. Um, you know, if you guess what he's watching, I'll buy you lunch. You know, I guess you buy me lunch. He agreed. I was like, all right, the bet's on, right? So uh, I, I think my partner bet sports. I'll just say, I don't know if he's named a sport, but he definitely said sports. And for some reason, I either came up with Family Feud or Maury Povich. But I'm leaning more towards Family Feud. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. So I called the guy over and I said to him, I was like, Hey man, listen, I, I got to ask you a question. And he interrupts me. He's like, let me guess. Did I kill my family? And I said, no, 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 no. I don't care. I, I know you probably did that. I, I don't want to, I don't care about that. Um, I want to know what were you watching when the cops busted in and arrested you? And he looks at me like I was the one who was fucked up. And uh, just, he looks at me and he very lightly says, cartoons. I went, oh, shit, that was my second guess. Um, so anyways, after that, uh, throughout the day, because I I guess I cracked the door open for, for, for talking to all these guys, the, all these inmates, because they thought I was friendly, um, I had all of these random inmates coming up to me, just striking up random conversations with me about, you know, uh, crimes they did or TV shows or music or movies or fucking aliens, whatever. And uh, my partner and I were just eating it up for the entire shift. Because um, basically, if you really break it down, um, my job as a correctional officer was to ensure the safety of all the inmates and all the staff. So what better way to you know, follow those guidelines than to conversate with all of these guys, keep them all busy, thereby ensuring that everybody was safe, there was no fights or no suicides or no stabbings, and at the same time, um, you know, your day is just flying by because you're actually enjoying what you're doing because it's crazy shit. So I remember driving home that day and uh, I'm just smiling because I had an awesome day. 
And uh, it was just so extremely entertaining. And I get home and I'm all jacked up and I tell my wife how the day went and uh, she just thinks I'm fucking retarded, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like, you don't understand how good this was and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, after dinner, uh, we have this um, uh, routine, um, all me and my three girls, we have our, our family TV viewing, right? So it's a show that we can all watch together because these days that's not exactly easy to get. It's a show that all four of your family is, is appropriate and for all four of you to watch. And that show for us is America's Got Talent. We absolutely love it. Um, you know, we, we, we do side bets on the family, we, you know, like, you know, who's going to win, who's going to get eliminated and, you know, who's going to make it to the second round and da, da, da. And as I'm watching the show, it hit me like a hammer to the skull that I'm going to get these insane inmates tomorrow to show me their hidden talents. I'm going to judge them and, and there's going to be a winner just like AGT and it was going to be called Foray North Has Talent. So I get to work, I'm all jacked up, I've got a new partner that I didn't have yesterday, and you know now I've got to fill him in on exactly what happened yesterday and what went down, and now what my plan is for today. And um, her name was Watson, and she thought there was no chance that this would happen. She basically actually said the words, no chance these guys, you know, some of them accused cold-blooded killers, <laughs> would would uh, would 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 do all this shit, right? I mean, some of these guys, not only the cold-blooded killers, some of these guys would like smear their shit all over the walls of their cells, and then they just go to sleep like it was nothing, like you know, they just live in shit. But she's like, it won't work because there's no prizes. I was like, well, to hell there isn't. So I fucking fired down to uh, the staff lounge where we had vending machines and I spent like 10 bucks and I bought a whole bunch of chips and candy and whatever else and I ran back upstairs, I walked in the door and I was like, attention 4A North, I have an announcement. Later on, everyone here uh, is going to show me their hidden talent for a 4A North talent show. And I said, if you guys want to be uh, performers, if you want to be a part of this, then line up and uh, tell me your name and your talent, and then you have lots of time to practice before the show starts. And then uh, I showed them what the prizes were and what they were playing for, and I also said that the winner would be crowned the most talented inmate in the entire jail. And so literally, as soon as I sat down, almost every inmate got in a single file line, and they lined up and they came to the bars, they told me their name, they told me their talent, and then they went to practice. It was incredible. It was amazing. So I made this announcement, I want to say around 10, 10 or 11, somewhere in between there. It was before lunch. And I told them that the talent show was going to take place at 1 p.m. after lunch. Uh, that was the go time. So um, over the course of the morning, I saw them all, you know, doing their, their practicing. I tried not to because, you know, I didn't want to spoil it for myself. And, um, you know... I, over the course of the day, because, you know, I get a break and I get a lunch break and whatever else. And I called other units and I told some of my other officers that I work with what was going to happen at one o'clock. And the next thing you know, the door opened before, for, before one o'clock. And I've got a five or six uh, other officers from the, from the jail who came in to watch the show. So, um, as far as what we had, as far as talent, we had a comedian, uh, he was terrible and he didn't make any sense, but we, you know, had to do the fake movie laugh, the, oh, 
you know, you, you, you got to give them something, right? They're crazy. Uh, we had a hand walker. He walked all of, you know, he walked up and down uh, the unit on his hands, like handstand walking. Very talented guy. Um, we had like a, um, he called himself the human Spider-Man. So he would jump on the bars and then he would like, like pull himself across the bars and like walk across the bars. It, it wasn't all that impressive, but it was funny. Um, of course, all this is happening inside the unit where it's safe, obviously, right? Uh, we had a bunch of rappers, and I mean a lot of rappers. Um, and but and we were giving X's just like they do on the show, like and, and like, and then we're giving thumbs up. And anyways, it, the whole thing was awesome. You know, we're laughing. I, I think I was even crying at one point. I think we all were. It was so much fun. Uh, but the winner, the winner was a big fat guy who uh, had allegedly uh, killed his mother. Uh, he took off his shirt. He came to the bars. He took off his shirt, uh, and he laid down on the ground, and he had two other inmates roll him down the unit, uh, kind of like you would like um, roll up a carpet. Um, and, and then he ha as they were rolling him, he had other inmates jumping over him. So it was like a, he was like human log rolling. It, it, it was, uh, or or um, like a jail version of like Super Mario Brothers. It was just, it was so great. It's probably the greatest thing I'd ever seen in person. And I laughed. And he deserved the prizes. And he deserved the title of 4A North's Got Talent Champion. Um, and at the end of my shift, there I am. I, I, I got up. I know. I was like, you guys were awesome, man. I'm so happy. I, you know, we had a great day. I said my goodbyes. And then out of nowhere, the entire unit, all the inmates, gave me a standing ovation and were literally chanting my name. Cowl, 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 cowl. Um, and they were clapping and I felt like I had just won something myself. And word quickly got around the entire jail the next day and the coming days of a foreign North Got Talent. And uh, I had captains who were obviously above me in, in rank and I had deputies who were above captains tell me that you know what man it, it, it's goofy and it's kooky and whatever but you're doing a good job so I actually because of that and because of a few other days like that um, I actually got selected uh, and there was only a few of us correctional officers there was only a few selective uh, there was only a select few of us who were able to actually work that unit and were assigned to that unit. So um, we were basically the nut job officers, and it was it was pretty great because you know we it just, it just worked out for everybody. Those were actually some of the best days of my career. Um, if, you know, if if, I, if my career was like that, I'd still be there to this day. But shit changed and uh, shit went bad. So it is what it is. So there you are, guys. I told you I gave you some jail stories. I just gave you two, right? So I hope you enjoyed them. I know I enjoyed telling them. And uh, that's going to wrap up the show for today. But guys, the weekend is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be so hot. There's even heat warnings out and cooling stations are being opened. So wear your sunscreen. You know, Stay hydrated with lots of alcohol. And remember to tell somebody you love them. Because guys, it's important. All right? Just tell someone you love them. A family member, a hobo a Walmart worker, you know, your McDonald's drive through person, just say it to somebody because it makes everybody feel better. It makes everyone's days better. Anyways, until Monday, I am Jay. You guys are awesome. And I got to say bye for now.